This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at Earsports.com, part of the Paramount Podcast Network. We are continuing our preview of 2022 West Virginia opponents. Going to take a trip down to Waco, Texas today and visit with Tim Watkins, the publisher of Bears Illustrated, the Bears, the defending Big 12 champion. Um, Tim, a lot to live up to with a, uh, a superlative like that following around the program that you cover. Oh, yeah. I, I like the sound of that. It sounds really fun. I think we should do it again, maybe. Okay. Well, um, I guess we'll, we'll start there because – what I want to do is, is just kind of begin at the ending. Um, we could work toward the finish or we could start at the finish. It's a lot easier to run a race that way. What is the end game for this season for Baylor? I don't know if Dave Rand is ahead of schedule, if he's on schedule. I don't know if people expect Baylor to maybe revert a little bit or if they're on to something and they're going to be very good again. Uh, the predictions are all over the map as far as win totals, conference championship, college football playoff odds. Let's go to the expert here. Um, what is the story at the end of the season for Baylor reality expectations, however you want to define that? It's going to be fascinating. I mean, um, they went from a one win team in 2017 to 11 wins in 2019 to two wins in 2020 and then 12 and two last year. Uh, they've gone in two new year, six games in the last two years and one, two games the year in between that. Um, can Baylor continue to succeed under Dave Aranda? Was it a one-year flash in the pan with a defense led by Terrell Bernard and Jalen Pitrie and a, a loaded defensive line that just let them win a lot of close games? And that's really what led them uh, in 2021 was a lot of close game victories with a, an offense that really ran the ball well behind a seasoned, experienced offensive line that was really struggling in prior years. This will be the second year under a new offensive scheme that really excelled last year for the Baylor Bears. And it, it's going to be fascinating. I mean, I think there's a chance they're as good or slightly worse of a team with a much worse record. Um, they had some luck winning 12 games based on winning a lot of one uh, one score games. Can that be achieved in a second straight year. They also have a much tougher road schedule this year. I know we're, we're having to go to Morgantown this year, never a fun place for any team to play. Uh, but we also go on the road to Oklahoma, to Texas. So these are the, the, the schedule uh, ramps up a little bit this year. So it could be a team that is, is similar, um, but doesn't have as much luck has a tougher road schedule. And all of a sudden is a nine or maybe only 10 win team. There's a lot of ifs there, isn't it? There is. There's a lot of ifs this year with Baylor. There's a lot of ifs. And for a team that navigated so many last year so well, mm -hmm. too, at least there's experience in that. But um, personnel has changed. You mentioned some of the guys on defense who were gone. They still bring a lot back. Offense, things have changed. But also, maybe they've made some good changes. We can get into all that, too. Um, again, we defer to you because you know this. Informed audiences who are following your work there, they know about Baylor. I would like to think the same thing is true here about West Virginia's followers, and maybe they've I don't know, rolled over to your site and caught some updates, some, some tidbits on Baylor. But 
let's kind of go off the radar underneath the surface here. There's some obvious stuff when it comes to Baylor in the 2022 season. You touched on a number of things right there. What's off the radar? What's underneath the surface that you are going to be paying attention to, whether it's from the offseason into the preseason or preseason to the regular season, where, I don't know, sometime October, November, people say, you know what? Man, Tim was right. I heard him on that podcast in July, and it came true. What is a, a theme? What is a storyline? What is a development that you you expect to be tracking during the season? I'll give you two, one for offense and one for defense. We'll start on the offensive side of the ball. And um, I think a, a, a position that is under the radar for the Bears, I think, is the wide receiver position. Uh, they obviously lost Taquan Thornton. R.J. Snead transferred to Colorado. Drew Estrada ran out of eligibility. Those were the three top receivers. But they return a ton of talent. Um, some of the several four stars that Baylor has on the offensive side of the ball are Hal Presley or Seth Jones or Jalen Ellis. Those are four-star recruits that they brought on. Um, Amani Winfield, a 2022 signee, is also making a, a ground and, and headway on the depth chart as well as we go, get into the fall. So that wide receiver development is a very young but extremely talented, and, and Baylor has had a lot of success over the past decade plus of developing really, really good receivers. I, I, I expect there to be different names this year, and maybe some of those four-stars don't step up. Maybe it is a Monterey Baldwin who played a lot last year but didn't really uh didn't really produce a ton until we saw his uh his 52 yard touchdown end around on georgia to really clinch that game um you know guys that that need to take a step forward so that wide receiver room is going to be fascinating to watch they've got a lot of depth a lot of options a lot of size athleticism speed just not a lot of proven production defensively this was a defense last year that was really carried by their linebackers. I mentioned two of them in Terrell Bernard and Jalen Pitry. Uh, this year's defense is going to be led by their defensive line. And make no mistake, this is one of the best defensive lines in the nation with mm-hmm. uh, Siaki Ika nose tackle. Jackson Player, who was a, a all AAC caliber defensive tackle, is going to be his backup. You got Gabe Hall, which was receiving votes for uh, postseason awards. Cole Maxwell, TJ Franklin, Chidi Ogbenaya. You've got a lot of depth there. They could easily rotate seven, eight, nine players on their three-man front and see minimal to no drop-off. That is a significant edge and something that a lot of Big 12 schools have really never had, that level of depth and experience on the defensive line. Quite honestly, it looks like an SEC caliber defensive line. So I think that's going to be something at the end of the year of like, wow, Baylor's defensive line really was probably even better than the 2019 version that had, you know, James Lynch and that crew. I like this version even better than that. Interesting assistant coaches there too. Defensive line is Dennis Johnson, who I think a lot of people think is an up and comer. And you mentioned receivers, a new guy, Dallas Baker too. So change on the sideline as well as on the field too. I want to stick to the sideline though, because I was fascinated by what Dave Aranda and his staff accomplished last season, really a change, uh, especially on offense from what they tried to do in the first season to what they did do in their second season. Jeff Grimes, that is going to be a head coach before too long, I would think. And then Ron Roberts has been kind of a, a guy who's been respected in the community for a long, long time, but they've also recruited really well. They're going to have to obviously replace one big name. They're going to see in the conference from, from that side of things too. But a lot of different ingredients just in the office, so to speak, that made this turnaround work. And you mentioned the the volatility in their records, but also their coaching staffs and, and some, you know, less is more here, but they've had some things happen in the past. And here they are getting closer to where they were and where they want to be. This is a hard question to answer, I guess, but how has Dave Aranda done this so quickly 
and, and with such conviction, because again, he, he really did grab the wheel and, and change directions last year. He did. And it was an aggressive change. And he, he came to Baylor from LSU. It's a long time defensive quarter, never being a head coach in any level. And he learned some lessons uh, that first year. He tried to be all things at once. Uh, tried to run an offense that pulled from LSU, pulled from Baylor, pulled from Larry Fedora and what he did at North Carolina, tried to run Empo, tried to do a lot of different things. And to say that it failed in 2020 would be a gross understatement. That offense was awful. It had no identity, no messaging, no consistency. You didn't know. It didn't know what it could do on a day-to-day basis. And Bringing in Jeff Grimes, Eric Mateos, the offensive line coach, again, another guy that, that Baylor had to, to pay up to keep him from going to Georgia. Um, you know, Jeff Grimes had interviews. Uh, Ron Roberts had interviews, both of those to be head coaches. Baylor kept them. Having stability in the coaching staff is something that they really needed this year, especially with Joey McGuire leaving, taking some support staff and secondary staff uh, off the field coaches with him uh, to build out his program at Texas Tech. Uh, replacing Joey McGuire, they brought a, a, an offensive or a, a defensive control coach up. Mm-hmm. Dallas Baker had connections to the program at a, at a tertiary level, but he was a guy that, that uh, uh, Dave Aranda identified. And bringing in Jeff Grimes, he wanted somebody to bring in a true identity. And to say that Grimes did that would be, again, an understatement. I know what to expect when I see Baylor line up. And the defense knows to, what to expect now, possibly as well. But Baylor can execute it and has the hosses up front to be able to overcome those expectations. And now all of a sudden we're starting to see the counters. We're starting to see the wrinkles. We're starting to see the nuances around the offense later in the year that they were still learning it in the first half of the year. So now all of a sudden there's counters, the traps, the play actions, the play actions off of play actions, the reverses off the play actions, all the other wrinkles that you, you don't learn in spring and fall ball in a couple of weeks. You learn throughout the season, through another offseason. So Baylor's identity is really being that RVO, reliable, violent offense. They want to be able to run the ball effectively. They want to do that wide zone scheme. They want to uh, attack uh, horizontally and vertically. Uh, and they want to use Blake Shape and the Baylor's new starting quarterback to improve their deep passing game to provide a little bit more explosion. Um, and that's something that, you know, Dave Irena identified because he sat down and he said, what do I hate defending? And it looked like Jeff Grimes' offense. And he's like, well, geez, maybe we should just do that. It's like one of my tenets of coaching. Like, don't do what the opponent wants you to do. And conversely, do what the opponent doesn't want you to do. And that's your outlook. What do I hate defending if you're a very good you know, a defensive coach? And, hey, that's the offense you get. I think what's cool about that, too, is when you think about BYU, not only traditionally, but more recently, Zach Wilson. They were throwing the ball around. And that is not what they got out of you know Mateos and Grimes last year, too. They were smashing people. And, again, that's what he didn't want to play defense against and it, and it worked really well too um i don't know how many names we can actually fit into this one here because you have capably rattled off a lot of the stars that i think are going to be known before too long but you can repeat if you want to and go into detail or you can have new ones here who who are the people to watch here offense offensive line you mentioned the defensive line uh, who's the new petrie who's the near the new bernard like what mm-hmm. where does the productivity come that's going to make this engine continue to turn the way that they expect it to well, and I think the offensive line is one of the reasons why most people are so optimistic about the Bears. They, they returned four starters uh, and really six players that did start games 
last year. Uh, but Connor Galvin was the best offensive lineman in the Big 12 last year. He's back to anchor that left side. Jacob Gall was one of the best centers. He's back. Grant Miller, Khalil Keith, Gavin Byers, Mose Jeffrey got a lot of playing time. Connor Heffernan, Elijah Ellis. There's a ton of names on that offensive line that are back. Offensively, um, one name that I'll bring up that uh, some fans from 2019 and 2020 remember uh, is Gavin Holmes Uh, struggled obviously with some major knee injuries the last few years, but he's a guy that has looked really good in the spring uh, from a wide receiver perspective and provides a lot of experience that they're really lacking in that area. I think he's a guy that can make some things happen. Um, The big question about the bears outside of quarterback, and we'll get into that a little bit is running back, you know, losing Abram Smith losing Tristan Ebner, who's going to be those guys. Uh, really Tay McWilliams is a guy that's really going to be that power back, but I think he's, he'll be able to contribute more in the passing game than Abram Smith was able to do at, at times last year. Hmm. And then Craig squirrel Williams, um, the very aptly named squirrel Williams, um, another player that has struggled with injuries. Uh, he has a chance to be very, very special next year if he can stay healthy. And that's always the big question with him, but he's a guy that, you know, he's five, eight, five, nine um a smaller guy strong powerful incredibly quick um can be very dangerous in a souped up Treston Ebner type role uh, that we won't be helping as much on special teams to keep him fresh but he's a guy that could go out there run the ball five to seven times catch three to five balls score two touchdowns get 80 90 100 yards overall um so those are the guys that I like on offense defensively I think a lot of it's going to fall on the the shoulders of Dylan Doyle, um, their returning linebacker. He was a guy in the middle that that played very very well next, really between Bernard and Petrie. Um, two guys that I think could really step into that bigger role: uh, Will Williams, a a very highly rated four star recruit, uh, under recruited coming out of El Paso. He was very raw. He's really starting to put things together. He's going to be get the first shot at that Will linebacker spot with Josh White, a, a, a high four-star transfer from LSU that wanted to play with Dennis Johnson, wanted to play with Dave Aranda at LSU. Now he's back with them at Baylor. Those two guys have uh, some serious upside to really add some star power and some capabilities at that Will linebacker spot that Terrell Bernard handled well. And at that star spot, Lorando Johnson was the main backup there, but Christian Morgan might be sliding down uh, from that kind of strong safety role into that spot or returning cornerback Al Walcott might be. We saw Al Walcott return that touchdown against Georgia to really uh, open up the scoring for the Bears in the Sugar Bowl. So they've got a lot of options. And and one thing Dave Aran and his defense really try to recruit is positionless or flexible players that can play multiple roles. So you can do different things with different lineups and say, you know what, Will Williams or Christian Morgan, they can be another safety if they need be because they've gotten reps and played there. So now all of a sudden it looks like I have three linebackers, but now all of a sudden they're deep safeties. And I've got six defensive backs out there when the, when the, uh, the offense thought we had three linebackers out there. So there's some defensive position flexibility that I think is going to show even more this year in the third year of that Ron Roberts defense. All right. I was thinking, Tim, before we started, this is one of my favorite teams to break down. Definitely the big 12, but maybe even beyond when you come to like all the different possibilities and the story lines the potential the way that they're coached never mind who's coaching but the way they're coached and you just handled all that again very capably especially on defense because they're going to line up in a way that is going to be attacking and effective because that's that's what they know and they have the players to do it i love that star position their defensive line is gonna let them do a whole lot everything that you just said kind of backs up what i thought and i forgot about holmes who 
I just seem to remember he had a big game against West Virginia a couple of years ago. And I never heard from he him did. again after that. Um, yeah. He, he had two major knee injuries yeah. um, and it's, it's just really derailed him, but he he's been working his butt off. He's in great shape, hoping that he can be healthy because he could be a big contributor um, either, you know, alongside Monterey Baldwin at that inside receivers position or flexing out wide. I do think he has a chance to also be a big impact in the special teams as well. So mm. it's, they, they've got some options. There's some big names to replace at skill positions, but they've got a lot of talent there. There's not a usually skill position guys. is not a lot of hard. Or it's not too hard and too difficult to find those in the state of Texas. Um, yeah. It's the offensive defensive line. That's a little bit more. And sometimes even linebacker and Baylor's used to transport heavily in those two areas. And now we're starting to see that come to fruition. Yep. And then I was going to continue on by saying even the options in the, in the backfield running the ball, different bodies, different skills, but they're going to find a way to do it. And that offensive line is going to help. And then of course, what makes this team so intriguing is what's happened to quarterback. Um, right. The extremely gracious and dare I say human thing to do to make this decision early on. Uh, Bohannon ends up finding a spot where he can play and they put the eggs in the lake shape and basket. He gets to go through an entire summer as the guy, which I just, I can't tell you how important that is, mm-hmm. but it's not a question. He can act like that. And everybody can look at him like that. He's, he's obviously a talent. He's shown it, but I would say he's not without competition either. It might be presumed that it's him, but he's going to get pushed because they've recruited that position pretty well too. There are arms there. Um, I guess we talk about shaping and, and company here, but I guess just describe this whole situation, what it was like to cover it, what it's like to actually see that happen in college football in 2022, and what happens with quarterback for Baylor this season. The easy decision would have been to just bring Gary Bohannon back. He led you to a big 12 title game. He, he provides you a very solid floor of an offensive personnel really helps in the running game. Um, but he's not a pure deep passer. He's not a guy that can provide those explosive plays. His progressions would take a little bit longer. He has tremendous arm strength. His accuracy would wane, but he put a ceiling at time on the bears offense with and you mentioned it earlier with what uh, Jeff Grimes and Mateos did at BYU. This is not to say that Blake Shapin is Zach Wilson. Uh, he doesn't have that level of arm talent. Very few people do in college football, but he allows them to do more of those things. The, the rail shot that BYU just thrived on from their inside slot receiver coming off of mesh. That's a staple of this wide zone offensive attack. Bohannon didn't throw that ball well. They didn't really take advantage of that. Shapin, we saw in the first play against Texas Tech, touchdown. We saw that in the uh, the Big 12 title game against Oklahoma State, touchdown on that exact play. That play, that single play opens up so much more counters in the passing game that allows you to provide more explosive plays. So many times with Gary Bohannon last year, Baylor had a score on a 8, 10, 12, 14 play drive that's very difficult to do one negative play one holding penalty something can easily throw you off your game and we saw that happen in the back half of the year once kind of the scouting got done on Baylor's offense and kind of their fastball got figured out shape and changes the fastball shape and provides them another avenue for success that they just didn't have with Bohannon again the easy choice would have been to bring back Bohannon hard choice is to start shaping the even harder choice is to let Bohannon go and do the right thing again as a human element to be able to provide him the right to choose 
And he was, he was wrestling with it. There were thoughts that he could come back to Baylor as the backup and still compete for that starting spot. I mean, it's college football. Injuries happen. Um, Shapin was hurt in the Big 12 title game. So Baylor's a little bit shallow right now at that quarterback spot. They have Kyron Jones, a four-star redshirt freshman behind him. And then they have a couple of walk-ons. So it's going to be interesting to see, can um, Blake Shapin be healthy all year? Um, and if he does, is Kyron Jones ready to take that leadership spot? And according to the coaches, he is. So it's going to be fascinating. It's, it's going to be the biggest variable. It increases their ceiling tremendously in an offense, but it probably also lowers their floor a little bit. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Lots of questions about Baylor, but lots of reasons to believe. No question about this. Nobody better than Tim Watkins to fill in the blanks for us. Bears Illustrated, the publisher over there. Tim, thank you for your time. Can't wait to see how this goes. Can't believe we are in a better situation to anticipate things after talking to you. Thank you for your time. We'll do this again soon. Thank you, Michael. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now.